0: Welcome to Episode 5 of the Global Idaho Podcast, which discusses current issues affecting Southeastern Idaho and places them in a global context. I'm Heather Thompson.
1: And I'm Kyler Miller. In Season 1 of Global Idaho, we're focusing on immigration reform and the DACA program. During each episode, we will interview DACA students, experts, and other community members as a way to study DREAMers in Southeast Idaho in order to understand DACA and its political, social, and economic significance, as well as increase awareness about immigration and immigration reform in our community.
0: In this episode, we will be speaking with two DACA students, Jesus Yaltic and Fernanda Garcia, about their experiences as DACA recipients. So, I spoke with Jesus Yaltic Casada, who is a DACA student who came to the United States when he was nine from Mexico with his parents. He lives in Aberdeen and has a plan in place to return to CSI to receive further higher education. He spoke on the importance of higher education to DACA recipients. And what the program has helped him to achieve, and here's what we were talking about. so how old were you when you came to the united states
2: uh, i was i believe right before I turned nine years, nine years old it's been a It's been a while yeah, and
0: why did your family come to the United States
2: so oh, um just uh, the way the situation in Mexico was, uh, it was way, way more rough than anything we had face here. Uh, there was a lot of theft, a lot of crime, a lot of, you know, bad, bad everything. And so my family got fed up after our house got robbed in five years for the seventh time they got fed up and they decided to come over here.
0: So do you remember much about your home country of Mexico?
2: I do. I do. I mean, I was there for eight years of my life. So I do remember quite a bit. Um, was, I can't say it was really all that, that bad, but there was definitely more bad than there was good. How
0: did you, did you always know that you were undocumented or how did you find out?
2: Uh, no, it, it was one of those things where, uh well, I grew up with the whole concept that I wasn't recommended, and um, it, it was never a black and white thing with my parents. They, they were always very forward and honest with that subject.
0: So how important is education to DACA recipients?
2: Oh, it's extremely important. Um, if there's no, I mean, if obviously if we're continuing the education, then uh, there's a very good chance we're not going to be able to stay in this country. So I would say it's extremely important.
0: Did you go to higher education and study?
2: Uh, I'm. I did. Um, I've taken a break for a little bit, but I'm working on going back right now. So right now I'm probably going to be going back to CSI for the meantime. But okay. uh, I, I, higher education is definitely something I pursue. I don't want to get stuck. Yeah.
0: So. Why is DACA an important issue?
2: Oh, well, there's just so many people in this country that obviously didn't get the choice of wanting to come here or not. It was more of like being dragged along with. And in that case, it wasn't really their fault. That's why uh, the DACA, you know, the protection of the DACA is so important. But at the same time some people don't view it that way. They view it more of as intruding than anything else. But in my opinion, DACA is extremely important because it gives hope to a lot of people and uh, other people just don't view it that way. They view it more of an intrusion than anything else. So
0: do you think there should be a pathway to citizenship for yourself and other DACA
2: recipients? I mean, yes and no. Like, it's one of those subjects where I I see I see both sides of the of the coin. Um, but I I guess uh, if I'm being unbiased, in a way, I still see it that there should be a pathway to citizenship in the long run, but obviously not in something something so fast as a couple even four years.
0: So how did the announcement of the ending of DACA affect you?
2: It's, it's, you know, it's a little worrisome. And it's funny because we came here to this country to not feel so afraid. But now with all this going on, we're, we're back to square one, to where we're afraid and we don't know what's going to happen. And uh, so I guess it's made me a little... Uh, we're of things and cautious, I guess, in a way.
0: Do you have a backup plan if DACA ends?
2: Yeah, I'd probably end up moving to a different country. It's, you know, it's just one of those things where, to be entirely honest with you, I'm, I'm, the last few, few years I haven't even been safe here, feeling safe here in this country. So it's one of those things that I've already been planning to leave this country to begin with. But I would like higher education before I do be that.
0: Where just out of curiosity, where do you think you would move to?
2: Well, Mexico's obviously always in the back of my mind, but I don't think I could go back there. And um, Canada always nice, but it's always that, you know, that process of putting in your application and making sure you get accepted and all that that long paperwork. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just a matter of I guess anywhere that I can apply and I get accepted to, to go there legally. That way there's no other issues.
0: We, we've kind of touched on this, but like, what has DACA done for you, and why is it important to be kept around and for people to know about it?
2: Well, it's uh, given me the right to work legally. Uh, it's given me the right to drive legally. It's made me feel a little safer around, um, maybe not even not so discriminated amongst it's, it's important because I guess in a way it feels like equality. And uh, sometimes when there's no equality, people just run over you. So I guess in a way that's why it's so important.
0: So what can people do to help keep the DACA program around and be involved with keeping it around?
2: Uh, show that we're not just here to rob and take. We're here to actually make this country better. We're here, to, we're here to help the country. We're not here because we want to. You know, as, as the president of the United States says, says, says uh, we're here to rape pillage. That's, that's completely out of, that's not what we're here for. We're here to better ourselves and better everything else we do.
0: We would like to thank Jesus for sharing his story with us, and we wish him all the luck at CSI.
1: So Heather, it's interesting. Um, When we first lined out our our plan for episode five, we had this plan of getting a lot of DACA students to share their stories with us uh, here in eastern Idaho and what it was like to be undocumented and to grow up that way and then to go on to uh, higher education.
0: Yeah. And then in reality, we went out into the community. We looked for DACA students, but we found that a lot of them weren't really willing to participate or willing to share their story as much.
1: Yeah. Which is interesting because when we spoke to our professors here at ISU, as well as some other people that we interviewed, they made it very clear that BSU and Boise has a better DACA program or a DACA support for their students, and that on the weekends they're rallying and they're having activism for the DACA people, whereas here it just seems like we're kind of sweeping it under the rug. And this could be attributed to Boise State's president and how he came out and said, you know, that they want the dreamers there and that they want to be ahead of the curve when it comes to DACA students, where in the ISU, that didn't really happen.
0: Yeah, and we're entering a new administration, so we're we're kind of hoping that this will bring a change. So earlier this week, we talked to Dr. Carmen Febles, who is a Sp- Spanish professor at Idaho State University, about the, the fact that BSU students are sometimes more willing to be interviewed than Idaho State and Southeast Idaho, and she attributed this to the consulate being there, the fact that Boise is more of a liberal place than Southeast Idaho.
1: So, Heather, the question then becomes, do people and students in Boise feel that they have more support behind them and that they're able to come out and speak about these issues because of that?
0: Yeah, I think in Boise, I think they have a, a platform to stand on and to talk about these issues, whereas In Southeast Idaho, we don't have that as much, and that was one of the major reasons that we started doing this podcast on DACA and immigration is because we want to give them a platform to stand on.
1: As we see Boise and BSU giving these DACA students more of a platform to stand on and to be able to speak about the issues that concern them, there are other institutions as well that are going even further than what Boise State is, uh, such as a community college in Portland, Portland Community College, um, they've opened a new Dream Center, uh, which is for DACA students to go and, and feel wanted and to feel the support that they need. Um, it's actually the first of their kind, and they're calling this a Dream Center or a Sanctuary Institution for DACA students. Our editor Ian Nilsen recently had the opportunity to speak with Fernanda Garcia, who is a local DACA student, about what it is like to live with and be a part of DACA as well as her experience at Eastern Connecticut University, where she is pursuing a degree in education. Fernanda was born in Mexico and lived there until she was about four years old, at which time her family immigrated to Rigby, Idaho. What is something you like to say to people that wish to repeal DACA? Uh
3: I would say it definitely has its negative aspects to it. So if anything, if you want to remove it, think of a better program that would help us all that would really benefit um us and our families because honestly um a lot if you're against it then consider going into a dream act and just being more accepting of all of us because at the end of the day we're all here for the same reason and we're just looking to better our lives we're not looking to steal anyone's jobs or do anything Wrong here. So yeah, just be more compassionate towards us and really consider the the families that you, that are affected negatively if this wasn't in place.
2: What does your daily life look like, and you know, what struggles do you face because of your status?
3: Um, just the uncertainty of it all, I would say, is a big one. Not knowing whether or not I'm going to be able to graduate and have a job. Um, and especially the fear of separation from my family, because only me and my brother have DACA, and it's scary not knowing, um, that if you're going to be sent back to a country that you don't know, you'd, you've never really been a part of, because I've lived here for almost 20 years now, and I I consider my, myself more American than Mexican, um, in terms of my way of living, but um yeah it's it's a fear that you just have to learn to overcome and continue to work hard despite that
2: and how did you find out that you were undocumented
3: um i guess just coming here i've always known cuz my parents have always have um uh, like our family's just used to not being open about it but being well aware just so we know not to do anything that we're not supposed to be doing or um yeah, just having recognition of it, yeah, avoiding anything that could cause us harm.
0: We would like to thank Fernanda for sharing her story with us, as well as helping to understand what it is like to live with the fear and uncertainty that comes with having DACA status.
1: We would like to thank Fernanda Garcia and Jesus Joltik for sharing their stories. We would also like to say a special thank you to Carmelita Lucero Benitez for her support throughout our podcast, as well as Dr. Carmen Febles for her insight. Join us in two weeks where we will be discussing what we can do, as well as how to become a DACA ally.
0: Do you have a perspective on DACA you'd like to share? Email us at histdept@isu.edu. at isu.edu. We'd like to thank all those associated with the Global Idaho Podcast, specifically our editor Ian Nielsen, our producer Les Miller, and our professor Dr. Colde de Peralta.
1: Global Idaho is sponsored by the History Department at Idaho State University. Our cover art was designed by Kelly Kamek, and our banner photo is by Fabian Felt. The music you heard on today's show is When the Sky Turns Blue by Beau Crew.
0: Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud.com by searching for the Global Idaho Podcast. They can also be found on iTunes. Thanks for listening.